0: Good morning, welcome to Grace DC, especially if this is your first time joining us. We're so glad you are able to worship with us today. My name is Mike, I am one of the pastors in the Grace DC network. One of the names of God is Emmanuel, God with us. The Christian narrative tells us that God delights in his people and longs to be with them. And we see this from the very opening pages of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. The intimacy with God, however, was lost when first man and his wife chose their way rather than God's. The Bible calls this sin. But that is not the end of the Christian story. It was just the end of first quarter. The good news, which we call the gospel, says sin and death could not keep God far. From us. Jesus became one of us, entered our world, and overcame sin and death to bring us back home to the Father. Why? Because God is God Emmanuel. He delights in being with His people. And even today, He invites us to come, to enter His presence, to enjoy relationship with Him and to receive from Him everything our hearts need. And so let's read Psalm 84 responsibly. Please respond in bold. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you that you delight in us, just as we are. And even now, you delight in our praise, our worship, as we come by faith, offering ourselves to you. And we pray that as we do, that you would be honored in our time together, and that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that you would once again renew our hope in your promise, and deepen our love of the gospel so that we as your people who enter into your presence this day might be transformed into the likeness of your son, becoming like Christ in his love and humility, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all sing together. I don't know about you, but Mother's Day was a bit underwhelming in the Park household. Chalk it up to self quarantine or homeschooling four kids, but much to my chagrin, it fell flat. Later that night, my wife and I talked about the obvious elephant in the room, and as usual, she was gracious and understanding. And even though there was a bit of tension and disappointment throughout the day between us, rightfully so, our love and commitment to one another was never in doubt. In the same way, our sin affects our relationship with God. Apostle Paul tells us that it grieves the Holy Spirit. But for the children of God, We can be certain of this, that his love and commitment to us is never in doubt. In fact, it's the very truth that compels our confession. So if you feel that you are not adequate to come into his presence, that somehow you feel guilty and even hypocritical, singing these songs and worshiping God, listening to his word, you are in the right place. You can come, not because of your merit, but because of his unending love for you. So join me as we confess our sin, and let's do this with the confidence that God hears and loves us even now. Will you pray with me? Holy and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts, and we have offended against your holy laws. We confess that we have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy on us sinners, and forgive us our sins. Restore us according to your promises, Declare to us in Christ Jesus our Lord and grant, most merciful Father, that for his sake we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Let's now take a moment as we go before the Lord in silent confession. Here are our prayers in Christ's name. Amen. God's grace is more amazing than we know. and Every time we confess our sin, He faithfully and joyfully forgives. So let's receive His pardon, the children of God. Hear these words from Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child? that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I would not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands.
1: Amen. The reading for this morning is from Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible by faith he kept the passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
2: Every generation has its famous cultural icons. And for those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, we were privileged to have cultural icons that are better than any other generation. It's not even a question, hands down. We had Michael Jackson, we had Whitney Houston, Madonna, Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, Michael Jordan, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, The Simpsons, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air... And Seinfeld, just to name a few. I mean, listen, Seinfeld alone made an old guy like Glenn wish that he was a part of our generation. We had the best cultural icons. And and one of the most significant of these icons in the Whitfield family was heavyweight champion of the world, Iron Mike Tyson. When Mike Tyson was scheduled to fight, my entire extended family would come together in anticipation. And the only letdown was that these fights typically didn't last very long. Mike Tyson won the first 19 professional fights of his career by knockout, and 12 of those knockouts happened in the the first round. But it wasn't just natural ability that made Mike Tyson able to fight. In a documentary on Mike Tyson, I learned that early in his career, his trainer Cus D'Amato showed him tapes of another icon, Muhammad Ali, and not only did he learn techniques of how to fight by studying Muhammad Ali, but these old tapes of Ali served as inspiration for Mike Tyson as he trained and prepared to take the ring to face his opponents. By watching these old tapes of Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson grew more confident that he could be a great fighter. There are many dynamics to the life of faith. We've seen as much up to this point in our series. But in our text for today, we see another layer, an additional aspect. We see that faith fights. In verses 23 through 28 of chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is showing us the old tapes, as it were. And we don't just get techniques, but we also get inspiration for our training in the life of godliness so that we can face our opponents. By watching this old tape, we can grow more confident that we can be good fighters and have a richer and more sturdy faith. So we're going to look at this passage through three points this morning, and we're going to see what faith fights against what faith fights for, and how faith fights. So let's look at our first point, what faith fights against. Now, the writer of Hebrews continues to develop the life of faith by turning to Moses. Now, just remember the big picture of Hebrews chapter 11. The the writer of Hebrews is taking these snapshots of these flawed characters, and he's saying, This is what faith looks like, and the life of faith can be lived. When we come to Moses, Moses held a place of highest esteem for every devout Jew, because he played a central role in the story of their redemption and their formation as a people. But the writer of Hebrews moved into the faith of Moses, if you look at the text, by beginning with his parents, and he's drawing a connection between their faith and the faith of their son Moses. If Moses was not reared in a covenant community that saw a covenantal place for their children and a covenantal responsibility for the adults of the community to rear those covenant children in the faith, we would have a different story than we have in the life of Moses. And I think that the first thing that I want to communicate to you, to all of us as the family of faith, is that we cannot miss this connection. Maintaining your life of faith isn't just about you. It's about the children who are a part of your life and in your community. We see the covenantal belonging of our children and the covenantal responsibility of adults these children. The shape of our faith will deeply affect the shape of their faith. And if you look carefully at this text, you will see the shape of this faith. Look at what this faith fights against. If you look at verse 23, you see that faith fights against fear. Faith fights against fear. We see this in the life of Moses' parents who were not afraid of the king's edict. They weren't afraid of Pharaoh's edict. Faith fights against fear. We see that faith fights against evil, because if you remember back to the story of the Exodus, the Pharaoh, uh, he issued a decree that all the little boys in all of Israel were to be killed. But what we see in the faith of Moses' parents is that it's a fighting faith, and it fights against evil. Faith fights against the evil around me. But if you fast forward through the rest of scriptures, you see that faith also fights against the evil in me. And we have to be careful because we have often seen Christian communities fall off to one side of the horse or the other. Some people only fight against The evil in me and they're pietists. They're not really dialed in with the evil around them. But then there are others who fight against the evil around them and they're dialed in with the culture but they don't fight against the evil within them. But what we can understand about this fighting faith is that it fights against the evil around me and within me. We also see that this faith fights against false identity. Look at verse 24. The actions of Moses, the faith of Moses is a, a fighting against, a refusal, a resistance to identifying with Egypt rather than identifying with the people of God. And you and I have to be careful. If we don't have a fighting faith, we will fall into any number of false identities. But real faith, vibrant faith, healthy faith fights against false identity. We also see in the text, if you look at verse 25, that faith fights against the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, I think that in this text, we we are noticing that, that Moses is faced with a choice here. He can choose all of the luxuries of Pharaoh's palace, or he can identify with the people of God that will bring him suffering. And what he does is he says no to the fleeting pleasures, because that's all that sin can offer. Fleeting pleasures. They won't last They may be temporarily pleasing at some level, but they do not last. And faith fights against the fleeting pleasures of sin. In fact, faith fights against all manner of sin. If you're thinking globally about the scriptures, what we come to see through the rest of the story of scripture is that a a real faith, a true faith, a rich and abiding faith fights against all manner of sin. Whether it be greed whether that sin be gossip that you you just have to to talk about the latest goings-on and share your opinions about what's happening in other people's lives or what's going on or what you suspect is happening, or I've heard people say, it, it fights against the sin of entitlement and selfishness. Ultimately, we can see that faith fights against everything that the curse brought into the world. Let me make this a little bit more contemporary for us today. To make it more contemporary, faith fights against the cultural forces in which violence threatens life, for example. Whether those lives are in the womb, at the border, or jogging in the neighborhood. Faith fights against the selfishness and pride that turns spouses into enemies. Faith fights against itching ears, flattering lips, lying tongues, and hard hearts. Faith fights against everything that the curse brought into the world. But what does faith fight for? What does faith fight for? This brings us to our second point, what faith fights for. I think there are a number of things that faith fights for, but I'm going to bring out a few in particular for us to to consider together. I believe that faith fights for the courage to put our most precious things into God's hands and to follow him even when we don't know what the immediate results will be. Now where do I get that in the text? Look at verse 23. For Moses's parents, the most precious thing was their baby boy. For you, it may be your career. It could be a relationship. It could be your financial future. You have to actually slow down to think about what that thing, that precious thing may be for you. But faith fights for courage to put that precious thing into the basket, into God's hands. It takes courage. But faith fights for that courage. The courage that does not need to see what's coming around the corner. The the courage that doesn't need anything beyond what God has said he will do. And what God has said he will be. Faith fights for courage to put our precious things in God's hands. Faith also fights for a lived experience of union with Christ regardless of the ingredients that life brings to me. Now, in Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul said that he wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to share his sufferings. Now, we like the power of his resurrection part, but the sharing his sufferings part, not so much. But this is how the writer of Hebrews paints the fighting faith of Moses in verse 26. Providence gave Moses an evil Pharaoh and an enslaved people, but he took those ingredients and his fighting faith turned this into union and communion with Christ. See, the, the greatest power and potential of the Christian faith is revealed not when the Lord providentially delivers to you the filet mignon and red wine of life. It's when you get the losses and the disappointments and trials and pandemics providentially delivered to you and you fight for an experience of union and communion with the Lord instead of complaining and escaping and self medicating. Do you see? This is. What faith fights for. Faith fights for a lived experience of union with Christ. If it's the joys and the goods of this life, I am experiencing union with Christ in the beauty and power of his resurrection. They're all gifts of the resurrection, they're all gifts of a good God who is kind and loves to bring delight into the lives of his children. But if it's suffering, if it's losses, If it's trial, then I have an opportunity to live in union with Christ who suffered, the one who was called a man of sorrows, the one from whom people hid their faces. It's a way to know him differently. Now, if you've ever had a friend who you've known over some time, you can testify to the truth that when you've seen that friend, In the high place, experiencing the joys of life, and and the, the, the good experiences, the happy times, you come to know them in one way. But when that same friend is going through trials, and experiencing losses, and living through grief, and when they're in mourning, you come to know them in a very different way. Well, That's how I'd have you think about knowing Christ, no matter what ingredients providence brings into your life, every single experience of life, every single emotional ride that you take, no matter if it's the highest of joys or the lowest of sadness and suffering, it's all an opportunity to know Christ. And what we're told in this passage is that Moses fought for a lived experience of union and communion. That's what faith fights for. But another thing that faith fights for, faith fights for the greater reward. Look at verse 26. Moses chose the reproach of Christ over the wealth of Egypt because he knew that the Lord had a bigger bank and a bigger heart than Pharaoh did. But the question for you and me today, the question for you is this. Do you know it? Do you know that the Lord has a bigger bank and a bigger heart than any other person or opportunity you could encounter in this world? Do you know that? Moses knew this. In the writer of Hebrews is holding him up and he's saying, that's what faith looks like. Faith fights for the greater reward. Now, we've seen what faith fights against. We've seen what faith fights for. But let's look at our third point, how faith fights. How faith fights. Now, we've looked back at the old tape of Moses fights. Now, the question is how does the Spirit work this into our training to prepare you and I to fight? How does faith actually fight? I want to give you a few, a few bullet points here. How does faith fight? First, faith fights with repentance. Faith fights with repentance. The high level view of Moses' life tells us that you, 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 you can't miss the whole idea that Moses turned from one mode of life to a completely different mode of life. If you wanted to sort of capture the life of Moses, his was a turning from the Egyptian way of life to the way of life with God. At a high-level view, you see that the life of Moses was one of a determined repentance. It was one of a determined repentance. You know, if you read through the Scriptures, if you get the gist and flow of the Scriptures, you will come to see that you cannot have strong faith without strong repentance. In fact, based upon the close connection between faith and repentance— You could almost imagine the author of Hebrews writing throughout this chapter, by repentance, so-and-so did this. By repentance, so-and-so did that. Faith and repentance are two different sides of the same coin. And you can isolate them theologically, but you cannot isolate them existentially in, in the lived reality of the Christian. Here's the deal. You can't have lasting faith without lasting repentance. You can't have rich faith without rich repentance. You can't have strong faith without strong repentance. Without repentance, you will indeed fight, but it will not be the good fight. You will fight the wrong things and the wrong battles. We often don't want to fight the right fights. But we will gladly fight the wrong fights. It's not that there's no fight in us, it's that the fight in us is often misdirected. But faith fights against evil and for good through repentance. It's repentance that ensures that we're fighting the good fight and not the bad fight, where we fight. People, or we fight over the wrong issues. Faith fights with repentance. Second, faith fights with prayer. Faith fights with prayer. There's something that you just cannot miss if you read back through the life of Moses, if you read back through the story from the time that Moses enters onto the scene to the time that Moses disappears what you notice is that he was in constant communion with God throughout the Old Testament story. You just can't miss it. From the burning bush forward, Moses was in constant communion with God, which made the starkness of right and wrong, good and bad, righteousness and unrighteousness all the more stark. For the Christian, prayer is fighting words. Have you ever heard that phrase? Have you ever seen one of those old country western movies where they say, that's fighting words? And that's where the conflict ensues. Prayer is fighting words. That's how we conduct this battle that we're supposed to be in. But here's a question. And I lay this question out to our Grace Mosaic community all the time. But I want to suggest it again because I feel like I can never ask it enough of myself when it comes to orienting myself. In prayer. And the question is this if God answered all of your prayers, what would you actually have? What would you actually have if God gave you everything you prayed for? A little bit more money, uh, a little bit uh, better living conditions, a little less drama in your house, a little bit of a, a better career trajectory. Would anyone in your life have come to faith? Would they know Jesus if you got everything you prayed for? If you got everything that you prayed for, would you walk more closely with the Lord? If you got everything that you prayed for, would your church be more healthy? If you got everything that you prayed for, what would you actually have? what would you have? Remember, during this season of quarantine, you you have to keep in mind that the greatest tragedy of a prayer life is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. It's the prayer you don't utter. It's the prayer you don't bring before the Lord. The greatest tragedy isn't that certain prayers of yours don't get answered. That's that's part of the way that God works in our lives and chastens our desires and purifies our longings. No, unanswered prayer isn't the biggest tragedy. Unoffered prayer is. It's prayerlessness. That's the greatest tragedy. There are dynamics of the life of faith that will only come alive with prayer. So fight with prayer. Fight with prayer. Third, fight with promises. We talk about the promises of God a lot, don't we? we talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm sure we've mentioned it quite a few times, even during this series. But do you have command of those promises? Do you know the promises of God exhaustively? How many of God's promises can you list? How many of God's promises? have you pled how many of god's promises have you prayed into your heart and prayed into your children and into your spouse and into your church it should not be the case that we have an exhaustive account of our finances but not of god's promises promises are one of the most effective weapons of our warfare in the spiritual battle that we face. We must fight with promises. Fourth, we must fight with persistence, which is a way of saying we have to do hard things. Faith fights by doing hard things. Only children believe that everything should be easy, and that everything in life should unfold perfectly for them. Have you ever noticed that about kids? They chafe when something has some element of difficulty to it. There's a certain uh, lack of expectation that they're going to face challenges and, and hardship and difficulty. It's only children that expect things to be easy all the time. That's what immaturity sounds like. Fighting faith does hard things. And sometimes that hard thing is to fight to be quiet when you want to say harmful things. Sometimes that hard thing is to speak up when you want to be silent. Sometimes the hard thing is to change your life schedule so that your rhythms align with your well-being. Sometimes the hard thing is to establish healthy boundaries when you know people will resent you for it. We face that a lot when it comes to boundaries in ministry. And I'm sure that many of you can appreciate what it's like to draw up boundaries and have people resent you for it. Sometimes the hard thing is saying no. Sometimes the hard thing is saying yes. You catch my drift. Faith has to do hard things. But you can fight with persistence, doing hard things that maturity requires by God's grace. Finally, let me say that faith fights with Passover. Faith fights with Passover. Our passage ends. By telling us that it was by faith that Moses kept the Passover. And do you see where this whole theme of a fighting faith comes to its climax? Do you see it? It was ultimately Moses' faith in the blood of the Passover lamb that won the ultimate victory over Pharaoh. And on this side of the cross, we see it all the more clearly that we must fight with passover on this side of the death burial resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ we can fight through the blood of the Lamb, with the blood of the Lamb. We fight the accusations of the evil one. We fight our despair. We fight the hopelessness of this world. We fight all of the lamentable situations that are going on in our culture. We fight with the blood of the Lamb. In Christ, I know that I may lose a battle here and there. I'm going to lose a battle here and there. There are going to be times where my powers of resistance fail me. There are going to be times where I don't feel like I have any more energy in me to fight. There are going to be battles that I lose here and there. But I know with utter confidence that Christ has won the war. And no matter how many of these mini skirmishes Russ Whitfield may lose in this life, I know that I have been hidden With Christ, he has won the war. And that's what keeps me pressing on. That's what can keep you pressing on. No matter how many battles you may fight and face and lose, you can continue to press on. You can fight the good fight of faith, knowing that the victory is yours by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can fight the good fight of faith knowing that the victory is already yours by grace. So what I want to encourage you to do is look back over the old tapes of Moses and his parents and their fighting faith. Maybe you go back and you revisit the story of the Exodus and you see that great resistance to the archetype of evil in Pharaoh and you learn what it looks like You're going to learn something about the technique, but the technique isn't the most important thing. You're going to be inspired by the way that this fight runs to its ultimate redemptive climax in Jesus Christ. And it's from that point of inspiration that we will then experience transformation and we will find ourselves better fighters. We will begin to grow more confident that we can be great fighters, not contentious people, not to be confused with a contentious spirit or someone who, who just loves to pick a fight. No, remember, repentance helps us to fight the right battles, helps us to fight the good fight. But by going back to the tapes, we can gain the understanding and the inspiration that we need to fight the battles that we face. Amen let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the ways that you teach us through your word. We are grateful, Lord, that you don't leave us in the dark. You long to fill out our understanding of the way that faith works. You long to fill out our understanding to enrich our appreciation of the dynamics of faith so that our faith may be more vibrant so that our faith may be more real, more substantive, so that our faith may persevere and persist through all of the the different aspects of life that we have to wrestle through, all the different experience of life, from losing loved ones, to facing financial trials and hardships, to figuring out career transitions and joblessness, You have given us the resources to have a faith that can weather health problems and and scares about our own medical well-being. Lord, you love us that much, that you want us to have a faith that will last, a faith that can persevere through it all. And at the end of the day, you want us to be able to share the testimony when we grow old. If you grant us that gift to grow old, to live long lives, you want us to have the testimony that the Apostle Paul had. I have fought the good fight. Lord, that is our prayer, that we will indeed fight the good fight for as long as you give us in this world. and That we will place our hope and our trust in you. And that we will have a fighting faith knowing what to fight against, what to fight for, and how to fight. We pray, Lord, that you would bless your people, strengthen our church by your grace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. send you off with God's blessing over your life. May the love of God our Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit rest rule and abide with you. May the presence of our great God be with you. May you know him to be for you and may you fight the good fight of faith. Amen.